The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So, good evening and welcome to the Buddhist Society of Victoria, to the Buddha Loka uh, Buddhist Centre and to uh, um, for the Monday night meditation. So we had this opportunity, wonderful opportunity to meditate together, which is very, very, can be very supportive for our practice. I think many of you probably meditate on your own, and I'm sure you do. Do you notice a difference when you come to a group meditation? I think most people do, actually. So it's, uh, it's very useful to have both when we meditate on our own, but also when we meditate in a group. It's very helpful. Hence, the popularity of meditation centers in Myanmar. <laughs> People go there for their holidays. <laughs> so wonderful. And for those who are wondering, who is this monk? I think most of you know who I am. I sometimes wonder who I am. <laughs> Please tell me. No, I am Ajahn Nisarano, and I've been a Buddhist monk for 25 years. That's since my full ordination by Ajahn Brahm in Perth in Western Australia. So that's my home monastery, as it were. And I have spent 13 and a half years in Sri Lanka and uh, living for eight of those years in the forest in a cave on the side of a mountain, which has been was wonderful experience. That was great going for the arms round for the food in the morning to the village a bit after six and around six, and then coming back to the uh, cave for the rest of the day. So to eat the meal and then have the rest of the day. And since coming back from Sri Lanka, I've become based at Newbury Buddhist Monastery outside um, Melbourne, about 100 kilometres from Melbourne. So it's a, a great place and beautiful place. So I welcome, invite everyone to come when they can. It's lovely. So as usual, the format for this evening will be introduction and then a guided meditation for about 45 minutes and then comments, questions and complaints <laughs> afterwards. We'll see how that goes. So this evening, I was just going to start by the very common experience that we all have, actually, and um, of life, experiencing life. Uh, through our seeing, through our eyes, ears, nose, tongue and body and of course the mind is playing a big part in what we experience. And one of my teachers, Ayakima, she used to teach that what we're experiencing through all our senses was really just triggers. Triggers for what? And of course it's for what goes on in here. And she was using it pretty much. In a, she was talking about those experiences when we see things or we hear things, maybe even smell, taste or touch things that we don't like. And then we tend to react and we, a negative mind state comes up. And often we blame the, whatever the source of that experience, we blame them. And she would say, don't blame the triggers because... If we didn't have those emotions within ourselves, these triggers could not do that. And that's good news. You might think, well, that's pretty basic, really. But we realise, I mean, most of us realise how easily we can be triggered 
by different situations, things that we hear, things that we see. And uh, so it's very good news to keep that in mind when we're experiencing things that we don't like. And, um, and that's pretty, that's a good thing to, to focus on, not blaming. Blame, the blame game is a very popular game that most of us play. You know, we blame the government, we blame <laughs> our partners, we blame whoever, you know. And really, it does nothing for us and it does not reduce our feeling of unhappiness or uh, suffering or discontent at that time. It does nothing to, for that. And it's really not looking inside to see what's going on, see what has, what's being triggered within us. And, of course, the spiritual path is in here, not out there. And blaming, of course, is always a, a big worldly, um, something that happens in the world a lot. So this is something we can keep in mind. And recently I've been teaching, uh, I've taught uh, a couple of weeks ago, oh, no, last week, actually, <laughs> it feels like a couple of weeks ago, about what we ever, whatever we give attention to, we should pay, uh, pay notice what the effect is. And if it's a negative uh, result, a negative effect it's having on us, then we should, uh, we, we should or we should get the signal to move our attention away from that because it's bringing up a negative uh, reaction within us. And this is called, when we do that, unwise attention. But when we pay attention to something and a good uh, mind state comes up, a positive mind state comes up, no problem with paying attention to that. So this is very, very useful for us to uh, keep in mind. However, Iakima usually focused on the negative experiences and the blame game, but it also has a positive aspect to it, that we can pay attention to things that we see, hear, smell, taste and touch and think about that bring up positive emotions and wholesome emotions. And I think everybody has these experiences that, for instance, you know, if, we are, if we're in nature, often that brings up a feeling of peace, calm, being by a river, by the sea. It's different for different people, but for most people that brings up some sort of peace and a relaxation and the mind sort of opening up to that panorama. So this is very, very useful. And for some people... Music, of course, that manipulates our emotions quite a bit, but we can use it for positive emotions, bring up positive emotions. Someone was saying to me the other day that they play music at the beginning, sort of not very exciting music, to get the mind in a, a good state for the meditation. They use that. And, of course, you know, when we... Often, uh, if it's a very cold day, not today, <laughs> if it's a very cold day and there's a fire or warmth inside, it brings up this cosy feeling, doesn't it, of being, oh, glad to be inside, you know, content to be there. So with this theme in mind, I was going to, um, of uh, using our experience to focus on a theme that I often like to talk about, and that's the inner smile, to bring up the sense of contentment in our meditation, smiling from our hearts. And it's a, it's a very good, for me, it works very, very well to use that to, um, what do we say, condition the, the meditation, prepare the mind for meditation, 
because the state of the mind that we bring to meditation is so important. <laughs> and often we bring some uh, negative states of mind, and this is, of course, you know, things like the five hindrances. And that's not useful. That in makes the meditation very difficult, actually. But when we bring a feeling like contentment, this inner smile, which has got this feeling of warmth, happiness, ease, and peace, when we're content too, it's a state of mind that's still. <laughs> it's not going here and there. It's not wanting anything. So it's a, it's a nice state of mind. And of course, we all, I think everyone here probably has experiences of someone that they know that, that has a great smile. <laughs> and I know somebody in, in my life that I, I think all of you probably know too has a great smile. Who do you think that is? Ajahn Brahm is sort of like a signature, really, isn't it? That smile. And, you know, it's really hard to find a bad photo of him. It's really difficult, actually. It's quite amazing. And, of course, when we are, you know, uh, developing or, or bringing up these positive emotions, these uh, wholesome emotions connected with, say, contentment, this is, of course developing the Noble Eightfold Path. You may think, well, what's this inner smile got to do with the Noble Eightfold Path? But it's right effort, developing wholesome states of mind and keeping them going. The keeping them going is the hard bit. <laughs> so this is, and of course, it's also a part or an aspect of the second factor of the Noble Eightfold Path, right intention, right motivation, which is all about how, what we bring to the meditation. So we have this uh, quality of non-ill will, avyapada, and of course contentment is a part of that. Usually a big part is of course metta, kindness or friendliness, sometimes loving kindness we call it. And of course this is, if we develop these wholesome emotions, mental, uh, good mental states, it really is a shortcut for avoiding and letting go of negative mental states because you don't go there. Usually if you're in a good state of mind, it's hard, hard for a negative state of mind to come up. And this is an aspect of right effort. So very good. And so um, these, this, using this uh, theme of the inner smile to bring up contentment is a way of dealing with the five hindrances. And the five hindrances, I think everybody's probably familiar with them, are, of course, um, it's desire, particularly if we're connected with the senses, and ill will, which I mentioned, drowsiness and dullness, and restlessness and worry, and doubt are the five hindrances. So it's good, good for whatever we're experiencing in the mind in a negative sense. If you bring in a positive emotion that's genuine, has to be genuine, then those uh, hindrances go down and it makes the meditation that much easier. And, uh, and of course, whatever we uh, repeat again and again, whether it be through our actions, whether it be through our speech or mentally, that will be the, what we tend to develop. And so if we develop these positive or wholesome emotions, give uh, attention to them, that will tend to recondition our minds and also um, will affect how we speak and act. But the main thing is 
It'll become part of our character, a part of our personality. And this is something that we can influence in a very positive way. So this is it. And then to use these positive emotions, whether it be contentment, last week it was uh, friendliness, kindness, metta, with the meditation object, to make it interesting, to give the mind uh, more interest, more focus on, say, the breath or whatever meditation object we're using. And, of course, it makes it, I call this a bit of interior decoration. (laughs) It's very important because it means the mind can stay with the meditation object. Most people, they say, oh, the breath, dull as dishwater, <laughs> you know. But, of course, they're not appreciating the fact that without it, where would we be? We'd soon, the body would soon be dead. So it's uh, an important one. And I think everybody is aware of what contentment feels like. And, of course, the Buddha called it the greatest wealth, our greatest wealth. And it's something that's very... Um, uh, what do you say, is rare these days because uh, most of society is, is encouraging us, don't be content, you can do much better. <laughs> you only need to get this, you only need to get that. And so we, we're far from content, you know, and this sense of contentment is a great sense of wealth. When we want stuff, my goodness, then we don't feel wealthy. When we feel this sort of lack No matter how wealthy we may be in terms of money, mentally we are impoverished, we're poor because we need this, we want this, whatever it be. So this contentment is is a wonderful quality that um, I think we may be unfamiliar with, but when we develop it more and more, the sense of contentment is being like being happy to be here wherever we are, happy to be here with whoever we are however we are, Uh, because often we we can feel a profound sense of, oh, wow, I've got to improve myself, you know, it's not good enough, you know, and if I'm like this or I'm like that, then that would be better, and we're far from being content. So it's a, a real sense of satisfaction, just being happy in the present moment. It's what we're all searching for, but... Uh, unfortunately, because of the conditioning we're uh, um, exposed to, we're always wanting something more. Thinking this will lead to happiness. And, of course, it just keeps us going, <laughs> keeps us lack, uh, having a feeling of lack. I was thinking I might just quote that whole Dhammapada verse, actually, because I think that's quite nice. Sometimes you hear contentment is the greatest wealth, but the rest of it is lovely too. Health is the most precious gain until you lose it. (laughs) Then you realise, yeah, that's right, the Buddha was right. (laughs) No matter how much money you have, you can't regain health if it's gone. And contentment is the greatest wealth. And a trustworthy person is the best relative. That's great, isn't it? And Nibbāna, the highest happiness. So that's the, the full verse that that comes from. So it's very nice to see. And so when we are content, we're not being dragged around about want by wanting one way or wanting to get rid of. We are, in a sense, balanced. We are, in a sense, still. The mind is in one place and it's quite happy to be there. So this is, this is something that is very useful for the meditation because when we're practising the meditation... 
we're aiming at bringing steadiness and stillness to the mind. This is, of course, Ajahn Brahm's translation of samadhi, when the mind comes together. And this stillness and steadiness, contentment has that quality already and can help us a lot to develop the meditation. And, of course, Ajahn Brahm says this is the fast track to enlightenment. Everybody's looking for the fast track, aren't they? (laughs) Or the shortcut. So this is certainly one of them. And, of course, it makes our lives a lot... We're a lot less busy if we're content because when we want stuff, it means we have to do things. We have to be busy to get what we want. And uh, so it simplifies our lives. And this can be something that we can really value, can give real happiness to us. And I was just going to talk a little bit about how we develop this inner smile because it's uh, I've done the sales pitch on developing contentment <laughs> in Pali we call it santuti and it's a quality the Buddha praised a lot and of course one of the one of the methods for bringing up the inner smile can be to bring up the outer smile and when we deliberately smile you can feel that has effect inside of course, has to be genuine <laughs> when we bring it up, but it does. It brings up something inside. And sometimes they call this the happy muscles. <laughs> Isn't that a nice, nice term? And uh, this is interesting because this was a technique, uh, a, a, um, a teaching that Ajahn Brahm had from his first meditation teacher, a Thai man in Britain who was a, a, quite a meditator. And I think I've never heard any other meditation teacher ask their students to do this. He said, said to Ajahn Brahm, he wasn't Ajahn Brahm, then he was a lay person, and he said, when you get up in the morning, smile at yourself in the mirror every day. Great. <laughs> and, and he said, if you can't manage a, a natural smile, use your two fingers <laughs> and push, push up the edges of your, uh, of your mouth. And, and then to, uh, to bring up this inner smile, as it were. So we can try it. Just try it. I've tried it. I think it really works, actually. It looks so ridiculous when you do it. <laughs> that it looks, it's very, very, I find it very funny, actually. So it works for me. Because even if you're feeling quite miserable in the morning, you look at that in the, the, the mirror, you, you can't help but laugh, or I can't, anyway. So... But it does make me wonder why any meditation teacher, or Ajahn Brahm's first meditation teacher, would ask him to smile at himself in the morning. Why do you think? The only thing you can conclude, or I can conclude, maybe there are other interpretations, is that he was pretty serious. Can you imagine it, though, Ajahn Brahm? (laughs) I can't really... And um, that his teacher was trying to bring up more uh, joy or um, this, this inner smile for him, for his meditation. Maybe he was trying too hard. That might be it, mightn't it? Because I can't believe Ajahn Brahm was <laughs> really too serious. Because I know a lot of the monks that knew him when he was young said he was always joking and he was always very kind-hearted to people. And so I think he always had that quality. But some of you may have seen uh, the video of him when he was in his late 20s. Have you seen that video? It's called Blue Eyes in Saffron Robes. 
And it's an Irish documentary they made in Thailand in the late 70s um, in Wat Pananachat, the monastery that Ajahn Brahm was in. And you see him in that and he looks dead serious. <laughs> I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe his first meditation teacher had a point. But actually I also realised later he had, a, this is interesting, he had a dead tooth that was black right in the centre and, and maybe he didn't smile because of that. That could be the reason. I mean, very interesting, actually. Because I find it hard to believe that he was lacking in, um, you know, humour and was too serious and all that. But maybe trying too hard. Possible. Possible. So, and this, of course, is this inner smile is so important because it brings up this joy and happiness in our minds. And this is great for the meditation and also uh, for taking it deeper. Often people say to me, well, my meditation is going well, I'm quite peaceful, but it's just not going anywhere. (laughs) You know, they're not happy with it really, are they? And then to develop this sort of contentment, just happy to be here with it as it is, then this can deepen this sense of joy and happiness uh, that in the... uh, what we experience in the meditation can go deeper when we're content. Because as Ajahn Brahm says, it's not a matter of going on to something extra. It's going within whatever we're experiencing in the present moment. Because it's not next. It's really just allowing the mind to sink in, go in. And uh, this joy and happiness that comes from uh, contentment is a great help for that. So... Interestingly enough, Ajahn Brahm said the reason that he ordained in the Thai tradition, do you know, it's a very profound reason, because in London, where he was going to the various Buddha's temples, he said the Thai monks smiled the most. (laughs) And they were very kind too, he said that as well. And of course, that's something Ajahn Brahm uses a lot, because when, when someone smiles a lot, It uh, makes us feel, I don't know about you, but it made me feel when I met him very much more relaxed, at ease, and you feel sort of safe and uh, any fear or worry you have goes down, you know. And also that humour too is a a way of shifting the mind when Ajahn Brahm makes these jokes and so on. Some of them are terrible. (laughs) It really can shift the mind, you know, just from whatever it's preoccupied with to just a better space for... And that's a very helpful or skillful thing that can be used... And so, so that's one way we can actually bring up, as it were, those happy muscles. And uh, that's okay. That's, that's good. But also, you might notice, uh, I don't know, this Buddha statue is such a good example. But uh, often Buddha statues, they have um, two qualities that stand out for me. First of all, the inner smile is one. And some of them are just fantastic for that. And the second quality that they can have at the same time, peacefulness. And I think these are qualities a lot of people pick up on. They're not even Buddhists. Have you seen people with Buddha statues in their gardens? I see them all over the place. You know, you just are amazed. And I'm sure, they're pretty sure they're not Buddhists. You know, they, they just like the Buddha statue because they see this peaceful figure. It's very pleasing, pleasant. And they see that, and possibly it has a good smile on it too. 
And I was going to, uh, uh, I'll circulate this one. This is my favorite one of uh, a Buddha statue. And it's, uh, uh, the, it's in a museum in Paris, Guimé Museum. And it's a Cambodian one. But whoever sculpted it, it's just got this really, for me, you know, this smile that just comes out of the stone. It's really amazingly uh, present. And it's the smile of meditation, of inner contentment and uh, inner stillness. It's a lovely, uh, it's a lovely uh, statue, Buddha statue. So this is another way we can, you know, bring up the smile. We can bring, think of a Buddha statue that does that for us. And uh, if you have one in mind. And of course, when we do that, we can always um, remember the qualities of the Buddha. And that's another useful way to prime the meditation. Focus on one of the qualities of the Buddha. Maybe it's the peacefulness, the, the metta, the kindness, whatever and use that for the meditation to bring up this joy. So it's a, and of course the other way, the, another way we can bring up this inner smile is somebody else's smile. Because often we meet people, or hope, hopefully often, <laughs> who have got great smiles that really connect, connect, we connect with. That's the amazing thing, when we see someone smiling that really connects with us, you know, and uh, it, can, it can be such a gift that we, 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 we feel it and it can lift the mind. So this is, this is a one, another way, and probably, perhaps anyway, you, have, uh, you can remember uh, great smiles of different persons, people you know, maybe family, friends, maybe a teacher like Ajahn Brahm, whatever, whoever. Um, and this this sort of heartfelt smile can really touch us deeply, and that's that's useful for bringing up this inner smile in ourselves. So that's another way. So either the happy muscles, <laughs> but we don't have to do it physically tonight, or you know can remember a Buddha statue, or you know remember somebody with a great smile. It can even be photographs. Because sometimes you just see some fantastic photos. You know, Dalai Lama has got some very nice photos, hasn't he, of, with a beautiful smile. And Ajahn Brahm, of course, lots. And look, the other aspect that I was going to mention tonight, just to finish off, is it can be very helpful. We'll do the breath meditation and, as I say, give this inner smile to the breath meditation but also to be aware of where the breath is, not to force that location, you know, like tra often traditionally people put the attention here, but just to be aware of the breath wherever where it's very prominent. And that can be a very, uh, for me, it works for stabilising the mind, creating a bit more stillness in the mind. And I call it a reference point. So it's, a, it's something I think quite useful. And it will change from meditation to meditation. But, you know, sometimes it'll be here, sometimes it'll be in the throat, sometimes in the chest, sometimes in the abdomen. We don't have to force the, uh, our attention to one place or other, just wherever we're aware of it. And of course, with this sort of meditation, focusing on wholesome or positive emotions, it's generally the area we'll be aware of is the chest. That's where we often have this, call it the heart center, this warmth, this expansiveness. 
Uh, so it's, it can be a good, good area for when we're focusing on the breath, when the breath, we're keeping the breath in mind, that will probably be a good area. And just before we start, if we can have a, you can have a pass this around, have a quick look, see if it, you probably have a look at it and think, well, I don't know, it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> it's a great statue. And I, in some ways it's good, at least it's in the French Museum. They have a whole museum of Buddha statues and, that they have got from various places around the world. It's just amazing. And while many people may criticise that, in a way it makes it available to a lot of people <laughs> and may have preserved them too. That's another point, isn't it? So this evening we'll do try this inner smile. It's a, a, something I think can be very useful, not only in the meditation, but during the day too, you know, just to bring a little bit of happiness to the mind, you know, just to bring up that inner smile, to use the, uh, the triggers that we experience from seeing, hear, smell, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching and thinking to bring up a positive emotion, just remembering, say, somebody with a great smile, remembering a Buddha statue, um, remembering um, uh, anything that really brings up this inner smile. There we are. So there we are. Had a look. We'll have, a, we'll have, we'll have to have a, a, a poll at the end of it and say, what, what was your impression of the, <laughs> this book? I think it really does. It's a real. So it's amazing for a sculpture to have that quality, that where the smile just comes through like uh, unbelievably. So it's very good. And I saw that years and years ago. But when I first saw that statue, I thought, "Wow, <laughs> it really works." There we are. No, there we are. It's not enough time really for it. Oh, that's great. But it can ignite something within us, and this is uh, this uh, something wholesome, so very good. This wise attention is a very big wise attention, unwise attention. is a big uh, topic in Sri Lanka, isn't it? Yoni so manasikara and ayoni so manasikara. And it's actually very important what we pay attention to. And most of the time we just, we don't really um, realise that by paying attention to various things, we are feeding various states of mind and often not the states of mind that we get a lot of benefit out of. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's worthwhile being aware of what we're paying attention to and the effect that it's having. This is, this is really important and then uh, paying attention according to um, or to promote positive or wholesome states of mind for us. And we get the benefit from that. So there we are. Have a look. So they say, oh, not bad. <laughs> but the, the thing with, of course, the inner smile has to be genuine, has to come from the heart. We have to connect with it. Oftentimes you see it, don't you, socially, people uh, put on a smile and sometimes it can be really, it, you can tell that it's, it's a bit of a conflict what, with what's going on inside. <laughs> it just doesn't fit. 
And that's not the point of it, because we want something genuine that takes us inside so that we're happy to be inside. And these positive emotions, wholesome emotions, make it enjoyable to meditate, to go within. And most of the reason people find uh, being on their own or being locked down difficult is not happy to be with themselves. And so anything that can support this sort of being um, happy to be here within ourselves, being at home with ourselves is, is wonderful. And of course that will be wholesome or positive emotions and reducing the negative ones. Because the negative ones give us hell. <laughs> People often say, where's hell? Is it, is it a realm of existence? Well, you can experience it here and now. And people do and go through hell. And so, uh, but heaven's also within us as well. And it depends on what we focus on. It sounds, it sounds very easy. And of course, some of these negative emotions and negative attention drags us in because the and um, we, we we're paying attention to something that's really just harming us not doing us any good so there we are everybody had a go there we are so that's it it's got more if you look at if you're interested in finding it on the internet i'm sure it's there it's the guimet museum in paris and that's spelled how do you spell guimet G-U-I, I've got it here somewhere. G oh here let's have a look. Oh yes, G-U-I-M-E-T. It's uh, in Paris, Guimet Museum. In English they probably say Guimet. <laughs> That's probably what they say. So now we can close the eyes and And just get in touch with the present moment. Letting the past be and letting the future be. The past and the future are like prisons. <laughs> they imprison us. And when we're in the present moment, we're free. Free of all that's happened. Free of who we were then, and the same with the future. We're free of what may happen, and we're free of who we will be. Just here in the present moment, we can be still, we can be content, we can be present. And we have nothing we have to do for the moment, and there's nowhere we have to be, just here is mine to be content with just being here. It's always good to remind ourselves that the meditation is just for being here now, giving ourselves a break from the past and the future. And we can check out how the body is and maybe move the shoulders and the head to relax them, to let go of any stiffness. And to check out how the body is um, sitting, if it's balanced, the head over the shoulders and the shoulders over the hips, 
and it feels comfortable and relaxed. And the hands can be either on our laps or on our knees or however we find comfortable. And now we can mentally relax the body from the top of the head to the tips of the toes. We can give attention to the head and the face, soothing and relaxing the head and the face, giving this warm, relaxing attention to the head and the face, particularly around the eyes and the mouth. And then we can move the attention to the neck, all around the neck, and soothe and relax the neck. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder, starting at the neck, and moving our attention along the left shoulder, soothing it, relaxing it, allowing any stiffness, tension to dissolve, to reduce, gently giving the left shoulder a mental massage. Now bringing to mind the left arm and moving the attention slowly down the left arm all around it, soothing it, including the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers, soothing them, giving this gentle, warm, relaxing attention to the left arm.
Now bringing to mind the right shoulder and moving our attention along the right shoulder, soothing it, relaxing it with this warm attention. And now bringing to mind the right arm and moving the attention down the right arm all around it to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers, giving the right arm this warm mental massage. And now bringing to mind the back, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the back, soothing it, relaxing it, giving this warm, kind attention to the back. Now bringing to mind the front of the body, just below the shoulders, and moving our attention down the front of the body to include the chest, the stomach, and the abdomen. With this warm, relaxing, healing attention, soothing any tension, any pressure, any sore or painful areas with this kind, relaxing attention.
And now we can bring to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and moving our attention down that, the right leg all around it to include the knee, the ankle, foot and toes, giving the right leg this soothing mental massage, relaxing mental massage. Now we can bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the left leg all around it to include the knee, ankle, foot and toes, giving the left leg this warm, friendly, relaxing attention. And now we can bring to mind the whole body just sitting here. Comfortable, relaxed, at ease. And we can bring to mind the intention to bring up this sense of contentment of happy to be here, this warm, relaxed, still state of mind. And we can do that by bringing, to, uh, by using our happy muscles, or we can remember a Buddha statue that has got a beautiful smile. Or we can remember someone who, whose smile really touched us. That we can still remember it now. Or we can just go 
to that inner smile if we can feel it already. Getting in touch with the inner smile, the sense of warmth, sense of ease, relaxation, contentment. No, not wanting anything, not wanting to get rid of anything. Just happy to be here. Happy to be at home with ourselves. And we can get in touch with the feeling that comes up for us when we bring a smile to our face or when we remember a a Buddha statue with a beautiful inner smile or we remember someone who has a wonderful smile that we connected with. Getting in touch with the feeling that can come up for us. And we can give this feeling to our minds, to any mind states we have that are difficult. Maybe we're feeling tired or dull, agitated or worried. We're just a bit restless. Giving this feeling of warmth, contentment, happiness to whatever mind states you're experiencing. And bringing this feeling of contentment, of the inner smile, to the body and filling the body from the top of the head to the tips of the toes with this feeling of warmth, of ease, of not wanting or needing anything. Happy to be here, filling the body with this warm sense, still sense of contentment.
And when we become aware of the breath, we can notice where we experience the breath in the body, whether at the throat, at the nose, the throat, the chest or the stomach. Just noticing where it is. As the breath goes in and the breath goes out. And we can give this gift, this feeling of contentment, this feeling of the inner smile to the breath as we breathe it in to ourselves and breathe it out to the world. The sense of contentment, warmth, presence, happiness or joy, ease, Breathing it in, breathing in this inner smile and breathing it out to the world. And if the mind wanders off, then we can give this feeling of contentment to the mind or we can bring up that feeling of contentment by remembering what brought it up originally. And then giving this contentment to the breath as it comes in and goes out. Happy to be here with the breath coming in and going out, with this inner smile.
And now, as we're coming close to the end of the meditation, we can share this feeling of the inner smile, whatever feeling we experienced, whether it was this warmth, steadiness, this happy to be here, or peace. Share that with everyone who is here in this hall and everyone who is participating in this live streaming, this this sense of ease, contentment, relaxation, of peace, steadiness, warmth in the mind and in the heart. Giving this gift of contentment, of happiness, sharing it. Then spreading this further and further around this hall or around wherever we find ourselves online to all the beings, the human beings, unseen beings, the animals, insects, in the area we are in. And we can keep expanding this sharing of this feeling of the inner smile with all those beings, with their happiness, ease, contentment, well-being. And we can radiate in ever-widening circles further and further until we cover the whole world and all realms of existence. And now we can come back to ourselves and just to reflect for a few moments on how was this meditation? How do I feel now? Was I able to bring up this inner smile? Did it come up with this feeling of warmth, ease, Contentment, happy to be here, 
Unhut. And did this make it easier to stay with the breath? And lastly, to see what caused these feelings to come up. Seeing the causes and the conditions triggers for these mind states and emotions. And we can develop the aspiration or the intention to develop more of this inner smile, get in touch with the emotion of contentment, happy to be here in our daily lives, filling our speech and our actions with this feeling of contentment, ease, steadiness, warmth for ourselves and for others. And now I will ring the bell three times and you're welcome to come out of meditation on the third ring. But if you wish to continue, no problem. For those who wish to come out of meditation, we can slowly open the eyes and move the body. So I hope you're able to get in contact with that feeling of inner contentment and we're able to use it for the meditation to take the mind deeper because this is the whole uh, focus of the meditation. When we relax the body, we can feel that it's taking the mind with it actually and uh, sometimes it can be very apparent the mind almost sinks when the, the body relaxes. And the same with the this using the inner smile. We can find that the mind can go deeper. It can really be at home with itself and can really rest in a sense of contentment. So this is uh, something very useful in the meditation, can be useful in the meditation, but also useful in life because it's a real antidote 
to that conditioning, that restlessness of wanting, <laughs> which we call in Buddhism, tanha, craving or wanting, which is, can be either for wanting to get things or to get rid of things. And of course, wanting is a, a negative quality in the mind. It's like desire that disturbs the mind. And wanting to get rid of things, well, of course, aversion in the mind. And so uh, these, this uh, contentment is a wonderful antidote to that. A bit of a balance, because we're really conditioned with wanting. <laughs> it's great for advertising and great for business, <laughs> if we want a lot. It's also great for uh, uh, credit card debt <laughs> and many other things, to, and we're having to work hard to, to support that lifestyle and maybe not being able to have the contentment to enjoy it. It's an interesting thing that in the, the, the Buddha has talked about it in the time of his, during his life, there were some people who were able to, to generate great wealth, were incredibly wealthy, the millionaires of their time, but some of them couldn't enjoy it at all and would, you know, just, they, they, they couldn't let go of any of their money and they were actually eating, wearing very, very poor clothes, eating very poor food, and then they would pass away, and if they didn't have an heir, then the king would come and take <laughs> take all their wealth, and they didn't get any enjoyment from it. So now, if there are any uh, comments, questions, or complaints, you're welcome to um, to give them now. Yes, there's a microphone here. There we are. Hopefully. Everybody was content. <laughs> See you. There we are. And that's a, yeah, that's a good sign. No, no questions. I've, I've got a question. Oh I yes, don't. yes, Mark. Thanks yes. for passing me the microphone. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there we are. It was intuitive. <laughs> just yeah. two things that seemed ha to be happening mm. uh, with that smile. My mind wanted to stay with just the smile. Mm. Instead of the breath, oh, what do you right. think? What do you think about that? I think there's uh, no problem with that. You know, we can use that as long as it can. Um, the mind can stay with it, just generating it. You know, if it's got that in mind and can stay with it, that's that is um, would be fine because it can keep that emotion going, and the mind can focus on that. Yeah, so it can can use that. Did you find it went deeper? Or uh, settled, uh, more peaceful. The short, short amount of time that I could sustain it, it did seem to yeah go to a nicer place. Yeah, because um, yeah, sorry. yeah, because the breath, when we give it to the breath, it can have the effect of bringing the mind together, using a physical object and the mental object at one time. So it uh, can intensify the feeling because then the mind's focusing more on the breath, coming together on the breath, which makes it easier. Because I know in Tibetan Buddhism, they have visualizations, don't they? And they have really complex ones, you know, these mantras and these um, sort of mandalas, that's what they call them, not mantras, mandalas. And some of them are very, very complex. And people can keep those in mind for developing, um, you know, steadiness in the mind, stillness, samadhi, yeah. Mm. yeah. The other thing too is that Mm. It seemed to reveal mm. sadness inside. Mm. Um, I mean, 
should we bring I mean, and I was trying to bring that smile back mm. to, to like remedy the sadness, but it just was too strong. Yeah. Yes. I think uh, this can be something, you know, like there's a, there's a conditioning in the mind for that sadness and it runs by itself. And in those cases, quite good to give this uh, contentment in a smile just to that sadness, allow, you know, when we, with any of our negative emotions, if we, if we say, get lost, <laughs> I don't want you, it's only going to feed it. But if we can have that sense of acceptance and warmth, this is what's happening now, then that's good. Because in the end, isn't it, the smile has to be genuine and it has to, and we, it, will, it, it will encounter the, the states of mind that are, Running that we we that, that are um, we've con- that are conditioned in the mind, because that's something we notice with these emotions. They they just keep running, and it can be thinking is a big thing that stimulates can think it, uh, stimulate it. But when the thinking dies down, there still can be the echoes of that conditioning in the mind. So just to have that kindness, accept it. Don't try and get rid of it, and for. Um, for meditation, for uh, developing insight, we see what's going on in the mind. And that's actually, that can be a big plus to understand what's going, in the, going on in the mind, dhammanupassana, or chittanupassana really, because we're seeing the quality of the, uh, what, of the mind at that time. So that, that's, a, that's a good thing. But always to have this sort of, Contentment, this kindness towards what we're experiencing, not this "get out of here" monster, which most people most people use, but it doesn't add. It doesn't help one bit. It usually intensifies things and adds a lot of tension. And it should actually make us aware we're not in control of it. <laughs> you can't say "get out of here" and it goes. It doesn't happen like that. So. And it, it also reminds us that whatever we've given attention to, that is what will keep running, you know, be it um, sadness, contentment, uh, uh, kindness, ill will. Some people are very good at negative emotions and they don't realise they've got good at it by practising it again and again and again, bringing it up and, and so on. So this is just the, um, the nature of the mind. It's very programmable. <laughs> In a good way, you know, we can influence in positive ways or negative ways. But some people don't realize there's programming going on. And so they're just happily, not happily, but just creating negative states of mind. And then wondering, how come my life is so miserable, (laughs) so difficult? (laughs) You know, how come all these people, you know, causing me to get angry or or, um, depressed or anxious, you know, blaming? And that's what we will do. But it's no mystery, really. We, you know, just by giving attention to those negative things, they, they will get the upper hand, and <laughs> that will become our nature, our personality. So people will say, "He's grumpy. He's really, <laughs> or he's, you know, angry person, or you know, jealous person, or whatever." We can really, by giving attention, this uh, unwise attention, Ayoni so Manasikara, it will grow for sure, and uh, no big surprise. 
So it's very important just to notice what's really going on in the mind. And that's wisdom. That's really understanding. And when we see that um, sadness in the mind, we can have real kindness or caring for that quality, uh, that, ex- that mental experience, you know, that emotional experience. And that is, that's a good way to deal with it. Like, uh, like we would deal with, um, you know, anybody that we encountered that we, we could, a friend who was feeling down, we'd be there for them, just to be there for that experience and so on. And not to feed it, <laughs> but let it be so that it can, you know, just go by itself. Yeah. It will reduce, reduce. And then the quality of the mind, the conditioning, uh, if we give, uh, if we develop conditioning of contentment, of kindness to ourselves, caring, that becomes stronger. That becomes the habitual um, default mode, yeah, for the mind. Yeah. Thank you for that question. That's a good, good one. Because when we do, when we do have uh, bring up these positive emotions, it can make us aware of <laughs> other emotions, the opposite often of that's going on for us. And you know, being content, developing this content when you feel restless. Most people are, are fairly, we are fairly restless, either physically or mentally, because you know, if you if you're on a device all day, you know, you've got a lot of stimulation, and then you sit down, and the mind's, what's it doing? <laughs> It's doing the scrolling, mental scrolling, you know, and it's uh, that search for a happiness. It's actually a search for contentment too, but it makes it difficult. You can see the tensions in the mind. It makes things more apparent, you know, what's really going on in the mind. So, yeah, but always to have kindness to whatever it is that we're experiencing. Yeah. So thank you for that. That's good. And so it's always a test always like to ask, uh, you know, people if they have any questions. And usually it's a good sign if they don't, because most of the time we're thinking, thinking, thinking. And if we have no questions, it usually means we haven't been thinking that much. So that's a, that's a good sign for us, that the meditation has helped us calm down that thinking, which I think everybody sees feeds a lot of the negative emotions uh, that get going, you know, the self-talk really can feed it. So if we can reduce that thinking and also influence the quality of that thinking so its default setting is more of a positive nature, kind nature, then, you know, that thinking becomes less problematic and will create less um, negative emotions for us, which is which would be great, <laughs> really good. So are there any online questions? There always are. Just when you say, no, there are no online questions. Um, yeah, thank you, Ajahn. Yeah, there's a couple of online questions. Oh, right. that's good. Um, so the first one's, Ajahn, can you share some additional practices which we can use to cultivate contentment, being mm-hmm. satisfied, not needing anything more in our daily lives? Thank you. Yes, right. Uh, developing uh, contentment in our, our daily life can be, you know, just simplifying things so uh, uh, that we are not buying into, you know, wanting more of everything, you know. Uh, for instance, when you look at the, um, what the Buddha says, the necessities of life, and you can't go past it. I, I don't know if anybody can add anything to it. Clothing, food accommodation and medicine but 
we add quite a bit, don't we? Some of the houses, accommodation, and there's cars and <laughs> all, all manner of things that we can want. So if we aim to simplify our lives, that can bring a sense of contentment. It's better, actually, if you look at the Buddha's um, gradual training, this is a path that the Buddha um, uh, taught again and again for the monks, but it's also for everyone really because it's the gradual training is hearing the buddha's teachings and then getting that inspiration to practice those teachings then bringing in morality realizing yeah the way i conduct myself in the world by what i speak uh, what i say and do is really important and then from that getting a sense of contentment with what we have this is very important and this is what this person's asking about because we realize the contentment is there to encourage positive states of mind we can ask ourselves when what do i feel like when i am discontent <laughs> is it a good good experience what do i feel like when i'm content and so when we can go towards being happy with what we have if we can um, uh, be happy with what we have we can be content that's what Ajahn Brahm said contentment's not having what we want it's being uh, content with what we have and when we want something else we are not happy with what we have at the moment we're not content with it so using uh, these reflections just to to become more content with those things that we need in life and therefore bringing a bit more peace to the mind. And then from that, the Buddha teaches uh, sense restraint. And this is very important these days too, from what we see, hear, smell, taste and touch. Actually, the five senses, they can be a problem, but it's really the mind <laughs> paying the wrong sort of attention, isn't it, that actually brings up those defilements, that we think, wow, that Mercedes looked great, I need one. Or, you know, seeing, seeing a very attractive person, think, wow, isn't she or he wonderful, you know, and the mind going out to it. So sense restraint is actually looking after the mind, realising very much what we're paying attention to is really affecting the mind. And this is where very handy, not only in our daily life, but totally necessary on the internet. <laughs> because you're going to see all manner of things that, that will hear all manner of things too that can trigger the negative uh, reactions, negative emotions. So sense restraint is like seeing what works for the mind, the health food for the mind, what brings positive emotions, wholesome emotions, and what is junk food for the mind. Yeah, it's really exciting. Rip you up. You can't take your eyes away from it or your ears away from it, whatever it is. And, uh, and realizing, what's that giving me? You know, what's that doing to my mind? Because as spiritual practitioners, as meditators, we're looking after the mind and we, we can see the effects. We have to be able to see the effects. If, if we don't see it, then we'll just continue with that and just wonder and, and, and be sort of surprised that our lives are very agitated, the mind's very churned up and everything. No wonder. <laughs> it's what we're paying attention to. So this sense restraint is very important. And then the, the Buddha talks about developing sati and sampajanya. This is mindfulness and also 
um, full awareness of what's going on around us. Why are we doing this? The purpose and the means we're using in our daily life and in our meditation and being aware of what's happening here and now. Often we're not. We're off in the past and the future. <laughs> and that's where we often hang out, actually, so that people are not so familiar with the present moment. And I liked um, John Kabat-Zinn's subtitle of one of his books on mindfulness is Reclaiming the Present Moment, because we're not familiar with it. I can remember when I started meditating, I thought, well, what is this present moment? You know, it's, well, it's now, it's now, it's now. It's now. <laughs> so it just points to the fact that we're hanging out in the past and the future. And this is where a lot of the... Um, the negative things can come up. We can give ourselves a hard times about what has happened, what we've said, what we've done, what others have said and done, and the future potentially what others will say or do or what we will say or do, all that sort of thing. So this sati sampajanya is very important. And then the Buddha talks about reducing the five hindrances. The way we live is actually doing that already. We're reducing the five hindrances in our daily life so that when we come to meditate, they're, they're less, they're less, and, and we can um, use something like, uh, as I'm, I'm uh, giving uh, this evening, a support for the meditation using feeling to reduce them. And if we have, for instance, if we have uh, a metta, kindness, friendliness in mind, it can reduce them a lot. And then the meditation becomes that much easier. And then the Buddha teaches that the, then the mind goes into the deeper meditations. Once the hindrances are out of the way, then the deeper meditations, uh, the jhanas, and then coming out of those, then insights, and then the four stages of enlightenment. So it's a sort of progressive path, the gradual, gradual training it's called. But it starts from hearing the Buddha's words, and then getting inspiration, think, yeah, I might try this. <laughs> Practicing the, the uh, ethical behavior, then developing contentment, as this person's asking, with what we have, rather than thinking, well, I'll only be happy when I get this, that, you know, whether it's a, um, a house, a car, a relationship, a job, whatever it is, then I'll be happy. This is what keeps us running through life. <laughs> you get to the end of the life and really realise that, you know, never got there really. It's always in the future. I'll be happy then. But contentment is, the message of contentment is, I'll be happy now. It's possible now. The only thing I need to, um, to let go of, as it were, is this wanting. This is the hardest thing. And I've been uh, teaching the Four Noble Truths and, and one of the revolutionaries or radical uh, teachings of the Buddha is this wanting, this choosing is not us. We don't own it. It's, it's a state of mind that's running. <laughs> but we think it's us <laughs> and therefore we give a lot of power to it. But if you think, oh, it's, it's something that's running through the mind. It's conditioning that's come up. I've seen the advertising. I saw this person today. Or I read this in the newspaper. Or I heard this. or read it on the internet, more likely. <laughs> uh, you realize that it's been caused by a lot of things. And then we don't, we don't have to be the slaves of wanting, which we are, we tend to be. And the Lord Buddha calls us the 
tanha dasa, slaves of wanting, of craving. And if you look at it that way, it gives you a bit, you can feel a bit rebellious, can't you? You think, well, I don't, well, no, no, that's, I don't want to be a slave of wanting. I want to be free of that. And when we do get that freedom from it, we become content. The other way, of course, if we're content, the wanting doesn't come up. I mean, if you're happy where you are, why go anywhere else? You know, this is great. This is really good. But, of course, the message we get through society is, you can do better. <laughs> you can get better clothes, and better food, and, and you know, better houses, better cars, better devices, um, better everything, better us. <laughs> you know, to really you know improve and improve and improve. But this will never bring us to a sense of contentment, to steadiness, to peace. So this just a few suggestions. I've just realised we're over time. So. <laughs> Got to be content with that. <laughs> so thank you very much for this evening and uh, hope this has been something useful. Support for the meditation. There's lots of different supports, but this is a, using feeling is one of them. So for those who'd like to, we can pay respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. Oh, and next week there will be a visiting teacher. Dhammananda will be here. Um, doing the meditation, so it's lovely. I will be here too, I think. <laughs>